I think we'll get started. Welcome to this uh, morning's uh, session. I hope everybody is uh, bright and uh, awake. Um, and we do hope to have a, a session which will, uh, which will be interesting and challenging and hopefully wake everybody up and, uh, and we'll have some good discussion, I hope, um, when it comes to sustainability. I guess I was just uh, uh, asked by my, uh, my, my partner to, um, to ask if anybody's here to find out how to make their institution, their medical institution sustainable. This is not the right session. Uh, you're welcome to leave now. Um, and this gives you a little bit of the, of the, of, of, of the bias here. But um, let's first um, start by, uh, by just getting to know a little bit each other. I'll start with, with myself and, uh, and just uh, tell you a word about myself. I'm a, I'm a pediatric surgeon, a medical missionary in Kenya. We've been there for seven years in, a, in an academic um, institution, hospital. That's, it's called Kijabi Hospital, and we have a unit called Bethany Kids at Kijabi Hospital, which does pediatric surgery. That's basically uh, what you need to know. I'm with my family and two kids there, and uh, we've had a great, great time there for the past seven years. Um, wanting to know a little bit about, about who's here. Obviously, we can't go through names and, and things like that, but maybe just a few shows of hands. Um, how many here would be medical students? All right. How many are doctors of any sort and flavor? How many are specialists among the physicians? Very few. Um, how many are nurses and other uh, healthcare professionals? Great. Quite a few. And uh, how many have been uh, on a, on a cross-cultural sort of overseas mission field for more than six months? Pretty well. Everybody? More, uh, more than five years? Quite a few. More than 10 years? Right. This is usually the point in my talk when I invite those that have been there longer than I have to take the talk and I just relax in the back. <laughs> but no, I won't do that. I won't do that. But I'd like us to, um, to talk about something that is indeed a little bit uh, controversial. How many have been to the session last night uh, by Dr. Schwartz, by Mr. Schwartz, Dr. Schwartz, I don't know. Quite a few. I love to hear what, uh, what you've come up with, and uh, while I won't ask it now, um, I'd be very interested in sort of comparing a little bit the two approaches, because I know he also has a session right now, so I guess you chose with your feet in terms of who's here and who's, uh, who's not. But I'd like us to talk about uh, several things, and things that we'd like to get out of this session, the next 45 minutes or so, is obviously having a common understanding of what sustainability is, uh, appreciating the specific challenges when it comes to medical missions and a resource-poor environment. Then we'll turn to what I like to call biblical sustainability. It's obviously not something that we just read in the book of hesitations or book of condominiums. It's something that we'll need to derive from there, from the Bible. And then out of this, ideally, come up with a package that's a bit of a revised understanding of what sustainability is for us as Christian healthcare professionals. So that's, how, that's what we'd like to do. And to do that, I'll give you a very brief case study. Uh, we'll go to the definitions, the issues in sustainability. That's probably most of it. 
then talk specifically about biblical sustainability, and hopefully together come up with some solutions and challenges. I'm going to take the first half of this session. Dr. Bruce Steffes, who will introduce himself when he comes, will, uh, will take the other two. So you actually will get, it's sort of two sessions in one. It's a two-for-one uh, deal. We try to sort of increase the value of our talk, and I do believe that you'll get value out of two two slightly different approaches to sustainability. This is um, Kijabi, um, a place about an hour outside Nairobi in Kenya, um, aerial view of the hospitals. There are two hospitals there, uh, three schools, uh, one printing press, uh, one Bible school. It's a large, pretty standard, traditional mission, uh, mission compound. Within this, we have two hospitals, and I like to mention about these. Um, the first, the main hospital is called AIC, that stands for Africa Inland Church, Kijabi Hospital. It's just your standard large mission hospital in Africa, over 200 beds, uh, has full primary, secondary, and tertiary services. The focus is really on affordable specialty care. We do a lot of surgery there, um, and, and that seems to be what has come out as a need in Kenya at this point in time. Of most importance is that the operating costs are fully recovered from patient fees, with the exception of the missionary salaries um, and the donated consumables. But otherwise, we try to, to stay in the black, and we are indeed. For the last couple of years, we've been in the black with an over 95% occupancy and actually a major building uh, campaign um, on the way. The hospital is generally doing well at this point. Within this large hospital, we have a smaller unit called Bethany Kitsa Kijabi. This is where I fit in. This is the pediatric surgical unit. It's sort of semi-autonomous. It has its own finances, its own leadership, and yet it's part of Kijabi Hospital. It has about 60 beds, two operating rooms, a rehab unit. A lot of surgeries are done every year, as you can see. This is just children's surgeries. Uh, most importantly, the operating budget comes differently. It does come from patient fees, as much of patient fees as we can draw, but it also comes from a variety of external for, uh, sources. These are grants, these are foundations, individual donors, and it's all done through three fundraising offices, which are in, three, um, in both North America and Europe, um, that try to basically fundraise for us. So there's, and by the way, this unit is doing very well, and our numbers have continuously increased, and we're very, very, very fortunate. For the last 10 years, we've, it, it has functioned quite well. Now, sustainability is obviously the question at hand, and uh, sustainability is something that has really challenged missionaries from the beginning, um, especially in the last uh, couple of decades, and medical missionaries and healthcare missionaries uh, significantly in the last decade or so. Uh, sustainability is a hot topic. There's actually organizations like this one, Sustainability Associates, that will, for money, will give you sustainability. Uh, otherwise, they won't be sustainable, obviously, if you don't pay them. So, so sustainability is very important, and we need to understand what we're talking about. Here's a couple of definitions that sort of made sense to me, and I hope that it makes sense to, to all of us. The long-term ability to mobilize and allocate sufficient resources for activities that meet individual or public health needs or demands. Sounds sort of long, but that's a, a simpler way to think of it is the ability to do three things, to provide services over time despite changes in the external environment, to create a demand for these services and to achieve some measure of control 
over their resources. That's a nice sort of gentle way of sustainability. Obviously, the way we often think of it as sustainability is where we pull out, where we move out. And we'll have quite a few thoughts about, about that understanding of sustainability. Now, the question begs itself, so are Christian healthcare institutions um, sustainable? If you go by the numbers, the answer is no, they're not. Uh, basically, across the world, you'll find that generally the trend over the last 40 years has been a, gen a slow closure of hospitals. There's very few new hospitals, and there are hospitals that close for various reasons all the time. A lot of it has to do with medical, with missions agencies that decide to get out, to pull out of healthcare, because simply they can't afford it, and it's not sustainable. Um, I want to focus on data from Kenya. There's very few data, by the way. There's a lot of opinions, a lot of strongly held opinions, very few data. But I'd like to focus on the few data that we have. And one of the nicest studies is one done by Christian Health Association of Kenya. Uh, this is a study that's unfortunately a little bit dated by now, but, uh, but it still applies. The study looked in Kenya at all the mission hospitals and took 15 hospitals and looked at various, various um, uh, markers in terms of their success uh, and, and how they functioned. The results were quite sobering. As you can see, only 10% of these hospitals, that exactly one hospital and a half, um, were doing well. The majority were sort of, or half of them were hanging in there on the balance, and 40% were performing poorly. They were on the way down. A little bit more about it. When we contrasted the best 10% with, uh, with the worst 40%, you notice that the issues had to be, I mean, some of these are simple observations. They're not really causes. I mean, they were very dependent on patient fees, the good ones. Obviously, the income was greater than expenditure. They were in the black. Surprise, surprise. The staffing costs were kept low, less than 50%, and that's an important uh, issue, actually. And the attendance rates were on the upward, they were doing well as hospitals. The opposite happened in the worst 40%. Now, an interesting thing that the study went on to continue to do was to look at various, various uh, management styles for these hospitals. It found that half the hospital had what we call the traditional management style, which was the church type. Uh, this is where governance is sort of heavily leaning on a spiritual leader. The pastor or the pastor or the pastor was the manager. Uh, if there was a lay manager, that person was not very qualified, and the pastor was hardly qualified in managing hospitals. And generally, the administration was poor. The financial performance, the financial indicators were not very good. That's the majority of the hospitals. Then you had a few that were actually follow the business-oriented management style. And this is all the usual stuff that you know from business. You know, there's a strategic plan, not a pan, but a plan. Uh, there is a, the governing body, i.e. the board, did include church people, but it included professionals, it included technocrats, it included government, government reps. The structures were formalized, they were open. Um, the hospital was ready to respond to impending crisis, it was flexible, testing new ideas, and there were quite a few, there was this infusion of private sector techniques such as cost accounting, cost effectiveness, and the like. 
This is uh, a good friend of ours, Justice Morete. He's the uh, executive director for Kijabi Hospital. He's our profession. He's our 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 technocrat. He's a uh, he's a uh, he's a wonderful believer who has got a uh, master in, in hospital administration from Boston, and uh, he's uh, the hospital's first national. Uh, leader, professional, and um, and actually doing a very, very good job in uh, at Kijabi as an example of that type of businessman st- style. And then there was the dysfunctional management style, which basically is the absence of any management style. Complete chaos, almost always hand-in-hand hand with one person in charge of everything. And that person, chances are high, was a surgeon. And I won't say anything about the, con- the obvious natural conclusion about how good surgeons are if the management style is dysfunctional. You've all worked with surgeons, so you know our type. Surprisingly, when they correlated the management, the financial performance with the management style, they found that the top performers were always business-oriented management styles. The medium performers had sort of the traditional stuff, and the poor performers were the dysfunctional styles and the and some variation of the traditional style. So the question begs itself, why are church institutions not sustainable? Well, there's many reasons. And what's this, I love the word strategic disadvantages of the church. It's because we are the church and we are called to take care of the poor. So we make not poor choices, but we make choices for the poor. Intentional choices for the poor. We cite our places in the worst places where the poor are. Remember Dave Thompson's hospital in Gabon? He basically chose the worst province in the country for his hospital to be in. Least amount of money is there. Why would you do that? Because we're Christians. We're targeting the poor. We're not targeting the rich. Plenty of doctors take care in Nairobi. They're fighting. The surgeons are fighting in Nairobi to do little circumcisions and hernias on the, on the rich. We don't need to provide health care for the rich. Um, our institutions, in, cited in poor locations, are, have very poor credit worthiness. We don't keep them well either, which, of course, doesn't help. And we are dependent on external support. That is a reality of our institutions. So when you look at causes of unsustainability, it's always the balance between the mission and the resources. You can get lots of resources if you let go of your mission and vice versa. External ones, we've mentioned a bit, demographic changes. Technologies are big. You can call it enemy. You can also call it an ally. But it is our, something that we constantly grapple with. And the raising expectations of populations that often increasingly desire to have the high technology, the high expertise of its professionals. And then we've got all the usual internal stresses that um, all institutions have, whether missionary or not. Surprise, surprise, mission hospitals struggle with the same things that we struggle in our regular life. <clears throat> That's technology. What do you do? Do you buy a little, make a little wooden homemade incubator or do you have a nice neonatal ICU in your hospital? Th- these are both from Kenya, of course. When Chuck, the same Christian Health Association of Kenya, a few years later in 2003, looked at the reason for poor financial performance of its hospitals, noticed several things. And some of these are external, some are internal. Externally was the fact that in many African countries, the government has stopped paying the mission hospitals for what they're doing as part of the healthcare system, which is often 30, 40, 50% of the healthcare provision in the country. 
but besides that, we have very poor cost accounting. We don't know how to price our services. We don't collect debt well. We're very nice and we, we leave bad debt to stay there. We don't control our finances and the standards very well. Uh, we don't have costing tools. And then the one thing I'm adding, because it wasn't there, but it's a reality, is that we all like to see the white people leave the hospital and leave it in the hands of the, of the nationals, but we forget that all of our salaries, which are not paid by the hospital, will now have to be paid by the hospital. And that's a huge thing because it's often the physicians and the top people in the hospital that don't, raise any, don't get any salaries from the hospitals themselves. The Christian Connections for Health for International Health in 2000 surveyed again worldwide several, quite a few providers looked at the problem areas in these mission hospitals. And what did they find? They found that there was indeed often a lack of vision and leadership, always issues with staffing, too much, too little, not easy to maintain it. Um, relationship with the community was a major problem. And then the usual, resources, finances were a big thing, cultural conflicts, and again, good old technology. So what are the options when your hospital is not doing well and it's basically going downhill financially? Well, you can do nothing about it. We've learned in our church, in churches, how to do that. We just sit and watch it die. That's not a good choice. Um, we can close it down. And unfortunately, that has happened. What a shame for the, for the gospel and the kingdom. We can hand it over to the government. What a shame for the gospel and the kingdom. We can continue it with a changed emphasis. We can decide that we will try to find a niche in the country where we are to actually provide a service that is needed. Remember, that's one of the definitions of sustainability. We can use the good old Robin Hood approach, steal from the rich to give to the poor. And increasingly, this is being done through private wards in many of our hospitals. And then we can do the last of all options when everything else fails. We can actually use good business principles to run the hospital, God forbid. Uh, the, World the, the, the World Council of Churches um, looked also at all the hospitals, mission hospitals across the world, and uh, some of their recommendations, and again, it's a little bit of smattering of ideas that people have come up, as I'm trying to give a little bit of evidence in, in this whole uh, issue. They talked about leadership as being very important and how that can be done. They talked about boundaries and deciding clearly what is our healthcare business. What are we doing? What do we do not do? Talked about developing strategies for becoming excellent in specific areas so that you're known for specific things that you do. It talked about getting best practitioners that can share their faith and vision and provide the incentives to retain these people, the best people. It talked about prudent choices in terms of technology, dealing carefully with technology. And finally, it talked to, about uh, identifying the threats to viability. This is the, uh, the doctor saying to the nurse, still no improvement. Nurse, attach more gizmos. This is the private ward at Kijabi Hospital. Looks really nice. We accept Visa, MasterCard, American Express. So let's get to what we wanted to talk about, and that's biblical sustainability. Um, two verses that may help us in this. As I say, there's no verses on biblical sustainability that you'll find in your concordance. The word doesn't, is not there. However, it's coming, it's, it comes close in John 15, 5, 
when Christ speaks about being the vine and we are the branches and that we, we can do nothing apart from him. Where is sustainability here? Is the vine, are the branches sustainable? From what I hear, they're sustained by the vine. Hebrews 1.3, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Sustaining, this is the closest to sustainability, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Who's sustaining? Who's sustainable? It's the only one person that's sustainable. That's the Son, Jesus Christ. We are not. We are being sustained by him. All right. So does God want sustainability? Probably the answer is yes, but what exactly type of sustainability are we talking about? I would like to share with you a personal thesis, and you can get your tomatoes ready at this point in time. The thesis that sustainability is not a biblical concept. It is a secular concept that we've simply borrowed from the WHO and our other big friends in big places. And it strives for independence and autonomy, which, in other words, is a form of, of, of syncretism between our faith and the society in which we are. Everybody around us wants to be independent. We're a very independent society. Therefore, we're going to be independent as hospitals as well. I would like to suggest to you that God's will, rather than for independence, is for interdependence when it comes to human resources and equality when it comes to material resources. Look at these verses. You know very well the 1 Corinthians 12, the body and its parts and all this stuff. Would you like to try to apply this to our hospital, to our mission work across the oceans and across the continents? Can we be the eyes and the hands and each one our part and we each do our part? And, and I'm a little, little eye that has gone over to Africa and I cannot work without the hands there and without the feet there and vice versa. This is what interdependence in the body of Christ, at least in my understanding, is. Second Corinthians 8 talks about something else, and that's the very scary concept of equality. How can we justify? Is there anything, any type of argument that justifies the poor remaining poor and the rich remaining rich without exchanging resources? Is that possible? Is there any argument that can counteract that? A few final thoughts. Sustainability in missions looks very different in the medical work than in church planting. In church planting, nobody argues about the issue of sustainability. You just have to pass on your church there. But when it comes to technology, when it comes to expertise that simply doesn't exist in a country, wouldn't it be nice to just leave it to the pediatric surgeons of, um, of, uh, of Ethiopia? Yeah, there's two of them for 80 million people. Sure. It's sustainable. They'll do it themselves. Or the pediatric surgeons in 30 countries of Africa that don't have a pediatric surgeon. Financial dependency is unavoidable in all healthcare institutions. And Bruce, Bruce will speak much more about that. But financial non-sustainability is not necessarily the same as dependency. As I mentioned, the cure for dependence is not independence, but interdependence. And the suggestion is that there would be a two-way exchange between the global north and the global south in the church, within the church. I leave you with this little sort of final statement, a holistic view. The church's involvement in healthcare is a theological and missiological task, but one that must be carried out in the context of the rational demands, the secular settings, the pluralistic context, and the scientific requirements of the world of contemporary healthcare. With that as little thought, I'll pass it on to Bruce.
about to be electrocuted. Okay. have a few ideas here. <clears throat> My name is Bruce Devis. I'm a general surgeon. I have um, a history of uh, medical entrepreneurism in addition to practice and have um, started and run several multimillion-dollar companies in medical care and uh, have an MBA in addition that uh, came because of my interest in, in medicine. And then uh, in uh, 1997, I quit my practice entirely and have been working uh, essentially overseas most of that time, have been uh, integrally involved or, or work enough to get some concept of uh, 13 different mission hospitals and have visited probably twice as many of those. And so some of the concepts uh, today, I will tell you, first of all, that I don't have an answer, but I have some questions. And I'm... Um, uh, getting to the point that I understand the questions finally, and I'd like to share some of those with you. Uh, one of the things that I would like to point out is that numbers and indeed budgets are not cultural. Uh, the decisions about them uh, reflect your cultural, your corporate, your individual beliefs, and your value systems. One of the things that I find in most mission hospitals, as Dan has already pointed out, is that they don't do uh, medicine well and they don't do accounting as well as they need to, and so they often will make decisions based on information that is incomplete and information which is very much biased by uh, their philosophies and their political correctness. Um, true cost accounting, really knowing what something costs in this environment is very difficult. We struggle with that here in the United States. Uh, if you go to your average local hospital, they frankly don't know what anything costs them because we have Medicare sh cost shifting and all that sort of stuff, and it's really hard to figure out what really something costs. In the mission setting, because we were, are so heavily dependent on donated supplies, it's uh, worse of a problem, and uh, of course it takes a fair cadre of accountants and uh, true inventory and uh, things like that to come up with a true cost uh, accounting, and so that's an issue for them. Uh, in order for us to do this, in order to make decisions, you have to know what the true costs of things are. You have to know what the uh, true value of your donated uh, services, your times, your physicians, etc., are. And you have to know what it's going to cost to depreciate it if you're seriously thinking about turning that hospital over as a business. Because once you as North Americans leave, then the hospital in that country is going to have to fund itself. It's going to have to have new supplies. It's going to have to know what things really cost. Uh, even when we are there, we often make wrong decisions because we'll come up with an idea and say, oh, gee, let's do this. And it turns out that it may be a wonderful ministry decision, but is an absolute disaster from a medical standpoint. If you don't know what it costs and you're losing money on every new patient, you don't make that up in volume. And that's kind of the idea that we have. And so the point here is I don't really philosophically care about what decisions you make. I don't care if you decide that you're going to give donated care to this group or that group, uh, whether it's the people that drive 300 miles, pay full price, and those that are closer don't. I don't care those decisions are, but you have to know what decisions you're making so that you know what it's really costing you. And I've seen a series of disasters about that. And, again, these numbers are not cultural. These are just numbers. And you can have long, heated discussions about how you should share your resources and how you're going to allocate those. But, again, those are philosophical issues and need to be approached at that level uh, from a biblical, from a vision, from those kind of standpoints, not about the numbers. And uh, many times you get uh, the, uh, arguments that I've seen is that uh, when the numbers would suggest that your favorite project, project or or idea is not really cost-effective, it's because you're not spiritual, you know, and 
that's not the point. We need to, to get that down to a real medical standpoint. It is, therefore, the ideas behind the budget that you have to address. And they can be good decisions and they can be bad decisions, but budgets and accounting are just numbers. If you don't have them, you don't make good decisions. Number two, my thesis is that Christians make, do a lot of magical thinking. We take a lot of our faith issues and we somehow translate that into whatever. Well, God's called me to do this. I'm not denying that. Faith is an important issue, but I think faith is a concept that comes after you've done good planning, not before you've done good planning. And uh, we as Christians often uh, have uh, strange ideas. If I got up here and got you all in a real rah-rah kind of thing, I could have everybody here think that sustainability is a wonderful concept. God bless sustainability. We should always be sustainable because that's good business. And I also could then show you a lot of pictures of some people who truly need help, and I can have every one of you voting for free care. They should have free care. They're absolutely antithetical. They can't exist in the same universe. There is no such thing as free medical care. Somebody is paying for it, and that's the question, is who? How do we pay for it? These are ideas that are not inherently Christian, and they're not inherently biblical. Okay, it, The existence is impossible at the same time. The other issue, as I've mentioned, faith does not trump planning. Okay, You have to... Do the numbers. You have to do the planning. Uh, it doesn't negate the role of faith. There are a great number of organizations here that have done a great number of planting, and then, frankly, it's just a matter of, and God is going to have to be responsible for the rest of it. But we've done all the planning that we can do. It, wishful thinking is not spiritual, uh, despite a lot of people's attempt, and the faith comes in after you've done that analysis. Sometimes, unfortunately, we, we can go too far the other way. We will work so f hard at making it a business that we forget God is involved in it. That's equally wrong. Creation of something which is sustainable is inherently a, it's a good thing, but it isn't necessarily a God thing. Any project that I can do, I don't need God. Any system that I set up is so, it's a business project, it is not a God thing. So very much... There is a role for God and his role and what he wants done in this thing. If we can do it in our own strength, God is not in it as a general rule. Now, sustainability has a role in missions. And there is certainly some value. I know some excellent projects in which, for example, they're trying to use business in order to sustain a hospital and so forth. Uh, those are all reasonable projects. But I would here, be here to tell you that sustainability, from our standpoint, does not involve money. There is not a sustainable children's hospital in North America, okay, in terms of the patients paying for their care. It's all foundation. It's all. And if in the richest countries in the world we cannot have sustainable care, how in the world can we go to Chad or Togo or the back reaches of Kenya or any other country uh, throughout the world and say, you have to be sustainable? Has, however, a real role for sustainability in terms of the vision in terms of the education, in terms of empowerment, in terms of self-propagation of the project, all those things are sustainable. And unfortunately, we often spend more money, time, and effort on the money than we do on the thoughts behind it. And so that when the money goes away, the thoughts aren't there either and it disappears. Sustainability here, as Dan has already mentioned, is if there is a sustainability, it is a sustainability of the true global church. For us as brothers and sisters in Christ, 
to allow our brothers and sisters elsewhere in the world to die because basically we have an SUV payment or we have a brand new house or three beach cottages or whatever it is, there's an issue there, but the issue is not sustainability. It has to be a shared one, and it has to be across people, and it has to be across cultures. It really needs to bother me as much that people are dying in Togo right now as the fact that people may not get a transplant here in the United States. Sustainability is a business concept in the terms of a financial standpoint. It is a must in any of those kind of things. The other flip side, of course, is, again, free medical care is never free. The question is, who's paying for it and how are you paying for it? Most mission hospitals are not charity hospitals. Now you think, well, wait a minute, that's what we do. No, really the format that's going on is they're a for-profit hospital that's using their profits to pay for charity. That's slightly different. Sustainability can't be judged just by the profit and the almighty dollar. Whether or not a mission hospital works does not mean that I was in the black this year. What is sustainable, what is important, what is our metric should be, did I do what Jesus Christ asked us to do? And that may or may not have a whole lot to do with the bottom line. It is, must be descriptive of a holistic approach, and it's relevant to the vision and the empowerment and all the other things that are going on, and it is not necessarily a five-year project. The problem with that is in our American churches, if we go and we ask for projects, I'd like your church to support this project, it's going to take 60 years, how many do you think are going to sign up for that? And yet, inevitably, that's what we're talking about here. We can have sustainable projects and lose money on a regular basis. Likewise, it is possible to make any project financially sustainable as long as we don't care what kind of crap we're giving out. And that is an issue that we sometimes approach, too. Let's make it technologically relevant for this. Let's, let's put the care down. And unfortunately, what that translates is that we often end up giving very poor medical care and we are not using God's metric, we are using our own. Sustainability then, therefore, has to have a very long horizon. If we're going to train people to run mission hospitals, if we're going to train them to run high technology, that's a long uh, issue, and it's more an issue of generations, not a five- to ten-year, and let's get out. Uh, Anybody who has looked at Haiti, you remember in the 1990s, there was kind of the sudden rush, let's everybody get out, the recent earthquake demonstrated what's left in, in the health care in that system. It's just basically not there anymore. Education has to be about the thought process as much as anything else. How do you nationalize? And this is a, a point of big debate. It has to be a true partnership. And in a partnership, it is not one party telling the other party what needs to be done. It is somebody doing the part that, is in, that they can do well and the other party doing the part they can do well and hopefully mentoring and training so that if there is a long-term result desired to completely nationalize, that then it happens. And so sometimes, like at uh, Kajabi, we have an excellent, well-trained national running the program. And so we don't need an American there to, to hand, hold his hand. On the other hand, they have things that they can't do and they need it. And so you get the situation of making that decision. It does not imply, as it's sometimes accused, that it's only the North American or the developing agency that makes the decision. Obviously, this is a joint decision based on who's making the right decisions. Uh, the whole issue of financial accountability becomes an issue. 
any of you that have worked certainly in Africa uh, know that uh, financial accountability is a different animal than it is here in North America. We live and die by it. They don't always do that, and so there's always conflicts in those areas. What is important is that this is a point of true partnership with lots of communication, lots of joint shared uh, issues. I think, honestly, uh, setting an arbitrary time we're going to be out of this country in three years or five years is foolish. It's a waste of God's money and resources and has been largely a disaster every time that we've ever done that. Uh, we does very little to train a replacement unless we train our replacement how to train his replacement. That's a critical concept with here. And, again, self-propagation is uh, what we need to talk about. Therefore, when we're talking about sustainability, we need to talk about the entire Catholic Church, the universal church. It is the fact that it is every bit as much of an issue for me in Fayetteville, North Carolina, as it is uh, what's going on in, in Togo or Kenya or any of these other places. It's got to be a shared vision. I have got to get up in the morning and be bothered by the fact that there are people dying and going to hell. And I have to change my lifestyle to make a difference. Therefore, turning over a work to a national group just because you're turning it over, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. We often do that because we're tired of paying for things. What has happened is we have wearied in well-doing, and we just don't want to have the responsibility anymore. There's political correctness that gets into this issue. And somehow what's happened to a lot of our agencies is they've given up medical care, and they think that somehow church planting is more spiritual. Uh, church planting is a port, an important concept. Every functioning evangelical work that I know of in medical can generate as many churches as you can get church planners there to help get going okay but the medical is an extremely important and valuable way to administer um, the whole decision of devices we're getting a little, little behind here one last thing is please don't confuse sustainability within perpetuity those are different issues just because it's a good idea for now doesn't mean it's a good idea for tomorrow and sometimes god's plan is that this hospital close, or this work close, we have to put that into there. What's really happened is often it's my idea, it's a good idea, therefore God must love it and want it to go, and those are slightly different issues. What I'm trying to say is that true sustainability is almost impossible in terms of pure medical care in an underdeveloped world. Sustainability, as we talk about it in North America, exists, exists because there's a functioning middle class. Until you have an economy in a local area that has a functioning middle class, it's going to be very hard to pay for quality medical care on a regular basis. Now, there are we continue little kids in children's hospitals in North America because we don't find it acceptable that anybody should die. Now, unfortunately, what that often means is that we are willing to say, well, you know, let's let this clinic drop down to the level that something it can afford. It can give out aspirin, it can give off malaria pills. And what we are really saying is that in some way that these poor benighted souls that live in these societies can die because I don't want to provide money to make them live. And I'm not trying to put guilt issues in here, but that's really the decision that we're often making, that we are acceptable. Now, if you think it's really too bad that some of these mission hospitals are struggling, tomorrow, or excuse me, Sunday when you go to church, look in your parking lot. Look at the money that you have on wheels. Look at your churches. Look at your sound systems. Look at where we put our money. Ninety-five percent of the world's churches' money is in North America. Do we really care? that there are people out there dying in lack of medical care. 
If we're going to keep talking about sustainability, we need to talk about sustainability in that greater sense. Good stewardship, but stability of vision, impact is the important part. We need to change our metrics. When we look at these projects, is a missionary project truly valid, even if it's losing money? And I would tell you that many of them are. Do they have a sustainable impact? Is it making a difference? Uh, Roll has this uh, wonderful quote here, and I'll read it for the surgeons who can't do that. Sustainability has become a widely accepted benchmark when we're considering decisions about giving, and well, it should be. But sustainability traditionally has been understood to indicate our estimate of how ready the recipients of aid may be to assume total responsibility for maintaining, operating, and improving the initiatives supported by our investments. Projects have been considered sustainable only if they can be continued without an ongoing infusion of outside resources. But, this is the important concept, if it appears they cannot, the concern for sustainability often tends to dictate a choice not to give in the first place. You've often heard that. Let's not get this project. We can't make it sustainable. It may still be a valid concept in God's eyes. We have to take seriously our roles as brothers and sisters in Christ and become partners with the local church. And Roll again goes on, if we Westerners were to begin with the end in mind, focusing on the desired non-fiscal outputs, could we not start our investments among the poor with a commitment to remain involved in this way as co-workers in covenant? In other words, we'll share our resources as long as the outputs that are not financial are being uh, covered. I'm going to skip that. We're getting a little late here. Most importantly, you need to persevere, and you have to have a long horizon. And so the questions that come up then, and this is what for the rest of this conference is, what should be supported as a charitable cause, what part of it should be made sustainable, and if it is supposed to be supported as a charitable cause, how long do we do that? I think the important thing is, is that if we in North America cannot create a sustainable project, how in the world do we want to turn this on to people who have a national income of $200 a year and let them die? I think the real question that we have to make is, what does God want done? He is unlimited in resources. He has asked us to do things in good order, but we have to get the right metrics and the right ideas into this project and not just put it in a matter of dollars and cents. Okay.